0: Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with Ariel Moore an empowering servant leader, overcomer, and director of a new innovative program for second chance professionals, plus two special guests. And now the Live Your Purpose podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Live Your Purpose podcast. I'm here today with Ariel Moore, who is the Senior Director of the Center for Social Innovation at Oklahoma State University, Oklahoma City, where she helps to lead individuals out of adverse backgrounds, such as involvement in the criminal justice system, poverty, trauma, substance abuse, and many other barriers, and into new enriching lives full of purpose and hope. Her personal journey has been one of brokenness, addiction, incarceration, and finally redemption. She's a mother, wife, and member of the OKC Community Church, which meets in the historic Tower Theater located in Northwest Oklahoma City. Ariel's passion is to live out her calling by helping people renew and rebrand themselves after receiving a second chance at life in the same way that she was able to. And joining Ariel are two very special guests. These are both participants in the Center for Social Innovation program. Uh, We have Michelle Tubby and Michael Norris along with us. So Ariel, Michelle, Michael, welcome to the show.
1: We're just Hi. over here, we're listening to you read. Oh my gosh, you are just, you could read bedtime stories to me. It's so soothing. <laughs> yes. Once
0: upon a time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Next bio, I need to be like that. Once upon a time, <laughs> Ariel got arrested. And it's <laughs> <laughs> not as good as he did, That's it and I tried. Yeah.
0: So yeah, really glad to have you all along. So full transparency, I'm also involved in this program. I'm contracted with, for short, the CFSI program. And I've really been uh, blessed by that opportunity. Um, so just want to share that. And I get to work with you all. So it's it's been really a lot of fun. It's just the last couple of months, but y'all been here longer. So Ariel, I wanted to start with you. And um, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, uh, what happened, and then starting to lead into some of the work that you're doing today.
1: Okay, yes, I would love to. I'm going to set a timer because <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I grew up in Norman, Oklahoma. I had, you know, I was a, an achiever kind of personality when I was a kid. So that means I was like cheer, track, volleyball, student council, acting. I did all of this stuff. Um, and but at home, my mom was an attorney. So she was very like legalistic, I guess you could say. Um, and then I had my stepdad who we weren't super close and then a brother and a sister. And we were just kind of the family that was not close. Like even my parents had separate rooms when none of no one talked to each other. It was kind of strange. Um, And so there wasn't a lot of like traumatic things happening. It was more of like a detachment. It was more like, especially now that I see my son, I'm like, he is so energized and has all these activities. I probably spent eight years staring at a wall. (laughs) Like I could tell you all the water spots in my ceiling. I'm like, I spent a lot of time bored as a kid. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's weird. That's not like that anymore. Mm
0: hmm. Yeah, then, no, no, it's really interesting. That's new. So I'm hearing your story for the first time in this way. Okay. Yeah, that's just an interesting piece. I didn't realize okay. that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so when I was, a, okay, so then my real dad, he had a history of addiction and mental health and he was incarcerated a lot. Um, but I ha, was not allowed to know him or um, be in a relationship with him. But when I would do things, like when I would laugh or say some things, my mom would be like, wow, you look just like your dad. And so hearing that, I started to form like a sense of identity in him, especially because I didn't connect with my family members. I thought, okay, I need to meet this person. Cause first of all, he sounds awesome. If he's just like me and you know, <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe I'm going to find some belonging there and some love that I didn't feel like I was getting. And so, um, I, I saw all of his like mug shots on the computer all the time. He was constantly getting arrested for uh, growing marijuana. And so I, Saw that and went and like sought out weed at school. So I was like asking people in eighth grade or seventh grade, maybe like, hey, do you have this? And da da da. Um, and so I started, you know, smoking weed when I was young. And um, it just, whenever you're doing that, whenever your brain is growing, like when you're younger and you maybe already have some predisposition to maybe some mental health stuff, I mean, I had a lot of issues emotionally. Um, was very depressed or manic. I was one or the other. And so they would try to say that I was bipolar, but I was also a teenager. and So it was this weird combination of being a teenager, also being extremely kind of erratic and doing crazy things. Like I would jump out of my two story window and run away in the middle of the night, or I would be obsessed with these, boy- these relationships I was in, or I just had some extreme behaviors um, and was in rehab and mental health hospitals a lot. And then me and my friend stole a car when we were I was 14 and she was 15. We'd never driven a car before, but because she was six months older, she got to drive. And we were driving through Slaughterville, Oklahoma at 4am and wrecked it into a tree going 70 miles an hour. And, um, that's a whole story where I broke all these bones. But it, the point of that is to say that, um, that kicked off a really bad opiate addiction, you know, cause I was like 14 and I was on the heaviest painkillers for nine months. And so And I was already predisposed to having that addictive because I'd already been smoking weed and all that, but it really kind of kicked it off for me. And so, and that was in the opioid epidemic times where people, I feel like they just didn't really know what they know now. Um, And so anyways, fast forward a little bit, met my ex-husband when I was 18. Um, That was not a healthy relationship for me. Um, And then got divorced shortly after, Um, and then really started hanging out with people that were like in gangs and a lot more violent and and scary and just doing some scary things and started doing, um, illicit drugs more, um, got addicted to meth and heroin by the end of it. And when I was 25, I had my son, I had got pregnant, had my son and we were living in a house with no running water, no electricity. It was August, uh, a million degrees outside. He's sweating. I'm crying it's all a mixture. And I'm, that was just a time where I was like, so I just remember that day. So clearly whenever I can't tell, I never remember anything, but I remember that day and just being like so desperate and hopeless and powerless. And cause I had warrants. And so I couldn't just ask somebody for help because then I get arrested. I was right. so I was running away all the time. Yeah. In need. And so, um, when uh, my son's name is goose, by the way, his real name is stylist, but I call him goose. And so that's what, that's what I'm talking about. So when Goose was six months old, the Bethany, the police department came and kicked in my door and arrested me. And at that point, my son went into DHS custody, foster care. Um, and at that point I was like, I will do anything, you know? Cause I'd always been a very depressed person, but I had like an intense love for him. Like he was the only thing that I really connected with that I felt like was mine, that I unconditionally loved. Like i I never had that like family feeling of like, this is forever. Um, And to where it was like obsessive, you know, it wasn't a healthy bond really, because your whole life shouldn't be about another human, you know, there needs to be some centeredness with that. So anyways, I was destroyed when that happened. And I um, was in jail and was kind of lobbying for maybe like a program or some help. And I got a diversion program. It was called Remerge. And um, as soon as I got in, I basically surrendered to everything they asked me to do, got custody of my son back within like eight months. We had our own apartment. Um, I got a really cool job and I'll talk more about that in a little bit, but you know, I just was really successful and I was really um, surrendered to the whole process. And so things went really, really well for me because I just, I was in all 100%. I want, I've always wanted to be a good person, a good mom, like all these things that I am today. I've always wanted to be that. I just didn't know how I couldn't stop doing drugs, no matter what happened to me, I just couldn't, I, it was just um, very hard. And so um, I did a lot of like campaigning for that program. Like I just told my story, got involved, you know, with United Way and all these agencies. And so I just, for years was telling my story everywhere, got these really great relationships with a lot of nonprofits. And so I kind of had a relationship built up in that, built up in that world. But I was working in HR, in an oil and gas company. And so I had this good professional career too. And then one day, um, a mentor of mine called me and she said, hey, you know, we're, we're starting this program out of OSU OKC. Um, would you, you know, maybe you'd be interested in applying for it? And <laughs> My first thought was like, I'm, it's like, I've always wanted to be a nonprofit, but I also like didn't want to be poor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, <I> like, <laughs> there is a certain connection or a connotation about nonprofit and yeah level of I earnings know. yeah
1: I know. and I say that I say that kind of jokingly but anyone in that world knows it's not like for the rich and famous. oh yeah I've been in
0: nonprofit for a while too yes yeah. it's true yeah and so I was like
1: oh I just have this really I'm in a great I'm in a pretty great industry even when it's bad and you know I had lacked security for a long time in my life and so it was like for me to change into a job just a, you know, it was, it was a hard decision for me, but um, I, you know, I believe that I was called to it. I had some dreams that really influenced me and I am a spiritual person. And so I'm always kind of like looking for clues that God's talking to me, or I'm just kind of, I'm always listening and I'm always trying to be obedient to what I feel like he's telling me to do. Even if it's like, I say something I shouldn't. And then I turn around immediately and I'm like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. (laughs) Whatever it is. Like I'm always trying to like be obedient to, um, to, you know, my higher power and, you know, becoming a better person. And so anyways, took the position started last year, August of, of 2020. And the students who are in the program started the same day I did. And so it was like, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, And so we were, yeah. it felt like I was on a boat on the ocean, but also building the boat at the same
0: time. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. And so well, basically I was like always drowning and <laughs> it was always an adventure. Um, no, but it was really excited, and I, it was exciting and has been a journey. And I just, you know, my heart has never been more like intertwined in anything I've ever done because it's my, it's my whole life. Like everything that has made me who I am, all these people that have helped me and then understanding the brain, like the mentality of the person that walks in the door what the needs are, what they think they need versus what they actually need versus you know what kind of connection is needed to make it happen. And so I just feel like I had a really unique perspective to do this kind of thing. And it's just it's just a dream. And so um, that's who Michelle, and I'm gonna keep calling you Milo. So Michael, his nickname is Milo. And so I'm gonna call him Milo on accident. And so they're here with me and they're participants of the program. I'll tell you a little bit about the program. I like to like describe it like a, it's kind of like a diversion program married to higher education. Um, But it's not a diversion program. It's a, you get to be here instead of you have to be here more mentality. It's more of an opportunity. And we're just trying to give people purpose and hope. You know, a lot of the programs are, are geared towards getting people sober, keeping them out of jail. But what if there was a program that helped people find themselves that helped people figure out what their passion was that gave them a community that made them feel valued, that helped them figure out who they were, what they liked, what they wanted to do, and just supported them in whatever that was and just walked alongside them in that journey. And if you guys, anyone's listening from uh the Metro, it's kind of like a uh, leadership Oklahoma, but like for drug addicts and criminals like me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and me <laughs> right, yeah.
1: So, right. it's really cool because um it's just a different feel and the culture is like it just feels like a community a lot to me and uh, and that people are kind of finding themselves and really thinking about who they are for the first time. And So anyways, um, any, mini, miny, Michelle. Michelle.
0: Hi. Hi. Hey, Michelle. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. So you may have had a prompt for Michelle right now, but... Um... You know, Michelle, anything that you'd like to share about coming into this program and feel free to, to share anything that you want and, and, you know, and not share anything you don't want, but a little bit about yourself and, and maybe what this program has meant to you over the past, what, almost, almost a year. I feel
2: like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going on strong. Um, well, my name is Michelle. Um, I come from a very abusive, traumatic background through, um, multiple forms of abuse from sexual, emotional, physical, Um, no schooling, no parents, uh, multiple terms in foster care, Um, the juvenile system starting at 11 and things like that. Um, I mean, I was like trained to steal, trained to fight, trained to be a criminal. And that's just, that was what my goals were. That's what I had to look forward in life and the things that people expected of me you know, um, so I didn't really set too many goals for this, for school and things like that. And to progress into being a civil citizen, I guess. Um, I got into drug court and that's where my life started changing. Um, they stuck, I did not want to be in drug court. I wanted to go to prison. I was like, I don't care. I don't want this. This isn't my life. I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. I'm just not good enough. Um, So, but they kept pushing, and they kept helping me and guiding me and things like that. And they helped me change my life and have a different perspective. And then I got into this program. And this program has drastically changed my life. Um, It has made me realize just so many different things about myself and that I am a good person. And there's still like beautiful, beautiful, the beautiful people out in the world. <laughs> yeah.
0: there's
2: it's, it's, there's a lot. I love it so much. Um, it, it stresses me out so much because I'll have hard times of comprehending things and I feel like, God, I just want to be able to comprehend it like other people. And so every day, sometimes I'm on the verge of like, I just want to drop out. God, I can't do it. You know, but at the same time, I, it makes me so happy every day when I wake up to know that I'm about to come and have a mental breakdown at school, but I'm going to learn something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm going to continue to be a good person, like learn and progress. And I love
0: it. What does, what does happen for you that allows you to go ahead and continue on when those challenging moments, like you say, come up that you're like, you know what, I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to break down. I feel like I can't do this anymore. Not good enough. Whatever those messages are for you, what allows you to go ahead and continue to show up and do what you're doing?
2: When I overcome the obstacles or when I do learn something, when I get good feedback, positive yeah. feedback, um, I learn more about myself and notice that I can do it. And I am capable of doing it. It takes a little more work, but I can do it. And I just it makes me so happy to know that I can do something. You know, I never thought that I could. Yeah, I've always ran and I've always given up on everything. So. That's
0: so powerful. That's so powerful. And we're going to have a lot of listeners that, uh, you know, they may be in between um, some type of difficult transition in their life. So if you're listening now, I would, you know, we could stop this episode right now. We need to hear from Michael too, (laughs) but I mean, this is, this is a point, um, that I think is really important for our listeners to know is that, you know, things do change. And when you show up and you do the work and you allow the work to work on you, then, you know, there's, I'm hearing hope. I'm hearing meaning and purpose. I'm hearing resiliency. I'm hearing strength. These are my labels. They may not fit for you. But I mean, these are some words to describe this, this strength that I'm that I'm sensing from you. And it's empowering, you know, you're influencing other people, uh, other places, other other things. And uh, it's just incredible to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thank you for going there. Uh, Michael, I would love to hear from you next if you're ready to share some, you know, similar to how Michelle was talking about, a little bit about yourself, um, a little bit about your story, and then maybe what the program has done for you.
3: Sure, no problem. Um, well, I go by Milo. Uh, I grew up in a suburb out of Oklahoma City. Um, I have, have a, had a good family um, growing up, a brother and a sister. My brother was my idol. And while growing up, whenever I was about 12 or or 13 years old um you know he was smoking weed and stuff and and i i found out about it because we were he picked me up from school one day and we were driving home and a cop turned and turned turned around and was going to pull him over and he outran him and i was like well why did you do that and he was like oh because you know i've got this and he pulled it out and showed me his pipe and his weed and uh, you know he wouldn't let me smoke it he was like you gotta turn 18 you know don't do it before then it won't even work and all this well when he told me about it, I instantly became obsessed with it. I wanted it. You know, I was just like, I really want to try this. And, you know, I tried to get it in school and stuff, got ripped off a bunch of times. Uh, Finally, um, whenever I was 15, um, my sister, she married this guy and um, they ended up being on meth. And so the first time I got to try it was um, at their place. I smoked some weed. And then about two hours later, I did two lines of meth. And, um, you know, for me, I was so young, um, I didn't really understand what I was getting into, but um, it really took over me and I, it was all about it. Um, I was, while in high school and stuff, I was kind of outcasted because I was different and I didn't really have any connection with other people. And whenever I found the drugs would fill that, it really, you know, I just really loved it at the time, unfortunately. Um, <clears throat> I got in trouble right after I turned 18. So, you know, i today I've got 20 years in and out of, of being on meth and smoking weed and in and out of the justice system, been to prison. Um, in 2013, I was in, on, on the way to prison in county jail. And I kind of had this moment with myself where, you know, what have I done with my life? Nothing. Used a bunch of drugs, partied and well, okay. Uh, what do I want to do? You know, I had a little pity party and I was like, well, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And what do I, um, you know, what would make me happy? And I was like, well, money, but also helping people. And so um, I kind of combined the two and thought about my past experiences. I was like, you know, maybe I can turn this into something good. Maybe I can make it, um, you know, help other people with my past experiences. And my, and, and so the Substance Abuse Counsel is what came to mind. But um, I knew that I had to get sober for that to happen. So I went to prison uh, used a bunch of drugs in prison because it was just too much. Um got out and uh did good for about five years but without doing meth. Um, you know, I drank a lot though. And so um just in and out of like, you know, server jobs, warehouse jobs, things like that. Um then uh um in, in 2019 um I got put in I was homeless and uh, a person pulled up to me and was like, you know, I want to make some money. And I was like, sure, of course, you know, do you have your IDs? And so I was like, yeah. And they took me around to some banks and I cashed a check that was printed fraudulently. So I got put in drug court for that. And um, I was just going to take the time, you know, they were like, "One, you're going to do three years, which would have been about one year I would have had to do. Um, but I, they came to me and said, maybe drug court would be good for you. It's a good way for you to change your life. And so I accepted a drug court deal, and got I got accepted. And then um, while I was in drug court, I uh, or in jail waiting for drug court, I got out, and I went back to my apartment. And my friends were there, and you know they were all still using. So I got right back on the meth, and um, it was a struggle in the beginning of drug court. I had to go to rehab, and then when I got out of rehab, I found out about um, the Center for Social Innovation program, and I really wanted to get into it. So I applied, and I was accepted. And once I started coming here and being around people that were trying to succeed and like with Ariel filling us with hope and that we can do it and we're worth it, I really, it it was something clicked. And I knew from doing schoolwork that I'm gonna try and go for this substance abuse counselor thing. So that's what that's where I changed and the the program's great. It really changed my life.
1: And this is the thing, as you said, I'm just like, Okay. So you, you hear about all the years of like, I was in and out of jail. I was in work, you know, trying to get sober, not being sober. And it's just a, such a good picture, an example of the way that we are limited by the, by our environments. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like the moment that you're around people that are, have a growth mindset and they're running after things that actually matter. And maybe they are just raising you to the next, you know, raising the bar for themselves and their lives and all those things. It's like, that's when we change. And if, you know, you think about like the most, the first professional job you ever got. It was like, you changed, you dressed differently, you acted differently, you, and not to be someone that you're not, but to rise up within yourself. And so I feel like that's what we want to do is give people an opportunity to flourish because otherwise they're just going to, not to say there's anything wrong. There's a season for everything, but if all you hang around is people that glorified drugs or a bunch of people that have been to prison and aren't doing anything with their lives or, you know, maybe just have people that are in recovery or, you know, are kind of limited to that to certain groups. It's like, you're not really going to be able to be pushed and grow into who you can be. And so I think that's kind of what he's talking about when he did. And Milo was someone that when he started was farther along than the rest of the group, because he had already taken some college before. Like he had has had this potential in him forever to be writing these papers and being a counselor and all the other stuff. It's just like, what? That's crazy to me. And so they both have done amazingly.
0: Absolutely. And I, like I say, I've just known you all for a couple of months, literally. And, and hearing some of your stories really is powerful for me. And, and again, for our listeners, I know it will be too, Milo. Um, thank you for sharing your story and, and what the CFSI program has done for you. Um, again, I'm hearing what I would call hope, you know, there's there's something in the future that's meaningful, there's a purpose for it. And just uh, briefly with my own story, most people know it that listen to my show. But you know, with alcoholism, depression, anxiety, violence, trauma, um, I, I was an and intelligence, you know, which I consider kind of part of the problem for a lot of my life, just being able to outsmart quote unquote, Uh, life a little bit, but that makes for bigger problems down the road, you know, and so once I found a new opportunity, it was just like Ariel, you're saying that it was around people that wanted something similar, there was a common purpose, you know, whether that was sobriety, recovery, um, living a different kind of life being around different kinds of people. And I had some of that experience, like Milo, you had, um, so I had some of that privilege growing up and access to resources and support that others didn't. But come in full circle, regardless of where we start from, it's being around people that are going to support and help us grow. If there's anything that predicts success, like happiness, meaning, resilience, um, memories worth making, it's relationships. That's what people say before they die. You know, who did I love? How well did I live my life and, and who cares about me, you know, and who may be a better person. So as I'm listening to all three of you, I'm like, I'm a better person <laughs> because you're here uh, because you exist. You know, my life is enriched just knowing you this short time. Um, I did want to ask you Ariel with the drug court program and ReMerge, right? We've thrown out some names. How in the world did this really cool partnership evolve because both of our guests uh, came through drug court, I, I, I believe, in learning about the program. How did that start and, and uh, what is that doing for the community, do you think?
1: So our, the president that was involved in the creation of this program, he's not here with us anymore, but um, they had a relationship with the judge who oversees drug court. And so whenever, because this is all, this was always, Brad is his name, uh, the president, that this program kind of, it was in his heart. He had a family member that was really close to him that struggled with addiction. And so, you know, that was something that his, this has always kind of been, was his dream. Um, but he had a relationship with the judge and um, a couple other programs and, you know, had heard of them and then just reached out to them and um, kind of those, ha- those people were referred through. Um, because really the program is not necessarily for people who are just needing treatment. It's really like the next step. Um, so say someone gets sober maybe they've been through treatment and now they're ready for what's next. They're ready ready to go to phase two, Mm -hmm. Uh, like even just thinking about you. Um, so in treatment, you have a counselor, a therapist in CFSI. We have Charles who is their purpose coach, who's their life coach, who, asks them, who are you? What do you value? What are you doing to live into those values? You know, questions that they've never been asked before. So they, the first answer is always, I don't know. I always hear them say, I don't know, you know, or, you know, they think there's a right answer or something. And so it's it's the first time mm-hmm. someone's asking, asking them for real who they are and what they care about. And, you know, how can they live into that? They've never, when you get um, institutionalized, you don't get options about that you become, you have to be like obedient to this thing that is telling you what to do. And so you lose a lot of your agency to live out the person, your identity. You know, you kind of have to conform to this program and you lose a lot of your willpower, honestly, to, um, and your confidence. And I don't think that uh, the judicial systems and, and sometimes these punitive programs understand that it slowly kind of eats away confidence. It's almost like, um, you know, when you have a young child and you um, tell them what to do all the time, or you do things for them all the time, both of them are equally not good, they will not have the confidence to make decisions when you're not around, you know? So it's the same kind of principle. Um, and I don't think, it's. and I understand the challenge with doing that, especially when you get people that are trying to buck the system. And so there's just discernment that needs to come into play in and in a balance of it. So we're just trying to balance out that first step of, you know, someone surrendering and, and really being obedient to the right things, you know, to do. Um, and then we're phase two of like empowerment. What do you want? What do you care about? You know, and people start, it's like, what do you care about in the community? And how can we link up with like a nonprofit that does that um, to, to help other people? And so it's, it's a lot about empowerment um, because, and I've said this before, but something happens when you're not a taker anymore you know, and I feel like that's kind of how I felt for a long time. I was always needing things. I was always a taker. People were always doing things for me. And so it's like, you kind of start to rely on it and not fit. You don't know how to get it by yourself. And it just, it creates a mindset. And so when you turn the tables and say, you know, here's resources you go do, you go do for others. What do you want to do? Um, And that's really a long game. That's not an immediate, like first time people are transformed it's a mentorship it's a walking alongside them living out life with them um that really changes them and so um one thing I would like to share or Michelle to share is her what she's doing now like her future goals and then even if you're comfortable telling about like
2: where that came from like yeah okay
0: absolutely I'd love to hear that
2: juicy it's a juicy one (laughs) Um, okay. So my future goals are to work in nonprofits. Yes, they're not, you know, everyone be rich and glorious, but it's where my passion's at. I want to um, be able to help people mm-hmm. and also be there and actually hear them and listen to them and have an interaction with them to show them that somebody truly cares. Like that's my passion is to help somebody come out of that and to be an inspiration and show people That no matter your circumstances, no matter what you went through in life and how hard it was, um, there is a way out. You know, you can escape from it and find happiness in life. You know, um, even after all the abuse and things like that, I was still a prisoner to it for years because I was so reliant on drugs. My mom started getting me high at three on weed. And then at 11, I was an active meth addict. And so I've been an active addiction my whole life. And so I've lived in this prison my whole life. You know, I've never felt free. And I've never, I've been so down that I've never thought there was an escape to ever get out of there. There's never, nothing's ever gonna come good in my life. I'm just gonna die. You know, I'm just gonna be in prison and things like that. And the fact that I managed to come across these people that helped me and loved me through everything and loved me when I couldn't love myself and started pulling me out of this darkness that I was in, it it changed my whole life. And it's given me this whole new, like, I've got my first license in my whole life. I'm about to be 30 years old. (laughs) You know, never had a license. I've never done anything. I've never been to school or anything like that. And I have these new experiences that I keep, I go so crazy over. I'm like, "I, I paid my own insurance you know, and I've never done this before. And so it's like a huge deal to me. I like want to celebrate and throw a party and everybody else is like, cool, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but I, yeah. guess what I want to do for the next people. You know, I want to work with children. I want to be the voice that children never have because nobody really listens to them. You know, I can't, I got locked up multiple times throughout my life and told that I was the bad one when really I was just fighting back to my abusers. I was you know, I just wanted to be out of that life, but I just want to be the voice that is never heard, and I just want to inspire people, If that's my passion in life. I still take care of my mother. She's disabled. She doesn't have any arms, and she's also, also um, mentally disabled, and so that is still a struggle that I work with and go through on a daily, but I've managed to build healthy relationships with good people. And I've learned boundaries and things like that. And I have such a good support system that I'm able to do that today and not completely fall back into my old life and where I used to be. She's also doing sign language, which I think is so cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love it. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. So um, I know some folks that are in the school system that, that no sign language and are part of the deaf ed programming and the inclusion that goes with that where did the passion or the interest for sign language come from
2: um i just really want to work with people and a lot of people there's people out there in the that field of work that are going to have disabilities and things like that so i want to be able to learn to communicate with them in every different way you know possible through learning like the PRSS trainings and things like that. So understanding how come they're reacting to situations a certain way, or how come they feel this way about things, but also communicating with the ones that have disabilities, such as being deaf or something like that, you know, yeah, just form the communication to be able to get through.
0: Yeah. All about the communication. And okay. again, this is just me talking, but, but you're, you seem like a communicator from the first time we met and And really that's where relationships begin and end with communication. And and so being an effective communicator is an empowering way to change people's lives. I mean, even this podcast, this is communication. That's what I do for a living. It's, it's a meager living. (laughs) I don't, that means I don't make a lot of money, but, uh, but you know what I do? I make a lot of difference. So as I'm listening to Milo and Michelle and Ariel, as I'm listening to y'all, I'm just like, I'm flying over here. I feel really good. You know, this, this can't touch some of the uh, the escape kind of highs that I've had in the past, not as powerful, don't get me wrong, but the results are so much better. So what I'm saying is this lifestyle that I'm describing now that you all are speaking to is, is really, that's the replacement for me, for the, uh, the addictive behaviors, for the violence, for the sense, like I don't belong anywhere, uh, for the hatred, for the bitterness, which I had plenty of that, and rage. Um, and, and instead, now I get to live kind of this peaceful life. You know, it's not always easy, but I have peace inside of my heart or my soul. And I thought, I didn't even know that was real. You know, I, I had to use drugs in order to, to produce that. And when it stopped working, then it, it did the exact opposite. I just got even madder, you know, and crazier. So um, it's really, really powerful to hear y'all share uh, Milo, is anything else coming up for you? Um, if not, I'm really curious about um, your career path and and maybe where you see yourself going next.
3: Well, um, right now I'm just focusing on my addiction um, addiction counseling degree. Yeah, um, I just really want to help people, you know, and actually give back. I've taken so much, you know, with the, with the lifestyle and um, and like you were saying, the feelings that that's what really keeps me going is um, I'm learning, to I'm learning more about myself and like, these feelings are coming, you know, that I used to drown out with drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I'm learning about the disease and how how it affects the brain and how it, all these things that um, that I never knew were really going on is just like, that is so me, you know? And so it's really interesting to me, my degree, uh, the classes that I take, they're um, very interesting to me. And I just, um, I just wanna help people and eventually, um, you know, be, be a substance abuse counselor or some, work somewhere in the field helping other addicts.
0: Absolutely. I love that. That's great. And and Ariel, um, a term was mentioned by Michelle, PRSS. And would you like to tell us, I mean, we all know what that is, but would you like to tell our listeners who may not know what that is and then how uh, training is done through OSU OKC?
1: Yeah, so PRSS is, it's like the golden goose of the recovery community. <laughs> Because it's it's a peer recovery support specialist. Um, It's a certification that um, is offered through the Department of Mental Health, and so inside Scoop, when you go to rehab or these programs, everyone knows and they talk about PRSS people because there's usually one or two or however many working within a program, diversion program or rehab that you're in. And it's basically um, like you're basically a counselor slash case manager, but a much um, more entry level and you have like oh, you have a required um, you have to have a, the requirement is you have to have a background of substance abuse or mental health so you have to have that lived experience so that's why they call it peer and so you have to be able to understand the people that are coming in the door and be able to relate to them and it you know if you talk to anyone that's been in any kind of program they will always talk about those PRSS people that changed their lives those are the people that are, the emergency room people, the first people you see. I remember when I went to Remerge uh, very high <laughs> in my PRSS. She, her name was Yvonne and I was sitting there and she was talking to me and I was like gone. And she would like, she probably got four minutes in. She was like, you know what? I'm gonna let you go to the bunkhouse, you know go back to First Step and you, why don't you go to which, where you sleep when you're in that room? Go back to First Step sleep on it. And then we'll talk tomorrow. But so she knew within like a few minutes of talking to me that I was not hearing anything she was saying. And so it's like, they just have some discernment. They understand, they can keep you accountable because they know what it's like to be an addiction. And so those positions are really valued by their recovery community. Um, And so everyone in CFSI goes through that training, even if they're not going to be a PRSS, they're going through the training. And I think what happens is I've talked to so many employer employers and I've told them my story or just told them about the program and they are sold for it. They're like, yes, I want to help. I want to get involved. I want to hire, but I don't know how to. I don't know how to accommodate someone with substance abuse disorder or mental health issues. I don't know how to hire someone like that. And so we believe that not only by skilling them up with like a degree or a certification that would qualify them for the position, but also having something like a PRSS would make employers feel more at ease that this person is equipped to know how to deal, um, other people in recovery, which include, include yourself. Cause when you teach something is when you really become the master of it, you know, Truth. Yes. And, um, and then we're also trying to, we're in the works, um, trying to create a, like an ERSS tra- training. So employer recovery support specialist training. So that way, uh, we can give some training to employers about how to accommodate these groups, how to, work with them, how to understand, knowing what trauma-informed is and all, which there's some um, research and and publications out there about having some trauma-informed workplaces already. And so just giving them kind of um, some tools to help them um, accommodate and to help and to get involved because they want to, the desire is there. People understand, they know the research, they are starting to understand um, the disease and um, kind of have a heart for it. And I think that's kind of evolving. And so we just want to be there to make it all make it all gel, make it all happen.
0: Absolutely. I mean, on that point, the timing is so great for this program. And I'm and I'm sure that everybody in the leadership knows that, um, you know, this is in Oklahoma. We've had epidemics of, of you know, drug abuse, drug use, addiction, incarceration. Um, um all kinds of, of of issues around on around those words. You know, we put a lot of people behind bars <laughs> uh, for what I might consider minor infractions without a lot of extra help or support. And so, this is just one response for me. What what really interested me was several things about about CFsi um, when I've spoke to you and and the uh, and Dar Yasseri, who's also been on the show. Go check out that episode uh, about the program. Is that like yourself, Ariel, it, it brings like, my whole life together in many, many ways. And uh, through through the lens of purpose coaching, which I do with you all, uh, helping folks to find meaning, you know, when when it's a bad day, it's not you know, like your whole life purpose. It's like, well, what still matters to you? And, and why does it matter? It, purpose can be that simple, you know, and it's because I'm gonna learn something new, because I'm on track to get my addiction counselor uh, certification, and I want to help people. Because I believe in the program so much that and, and I know it's making a difference in other people's lives. That's purpose, you know. And the reason I'm, I have access to that type of understanding is lived experience is part of it. So you mentioned the PRSS, the peer recovery support specialist. I am not certified with that. I've considered it. but I am going hey, into-
1: whoa, whoa, next time we do a- okay. All yeah, right. Maybe I heard you can say I considered it. Okay. Well, yeah. I will be sending an email. <laughs> okay, do it. Do Join it.
0: Us. I'm, I'm considering Good. it. There, there are some things that, it, yeah. So there's some other factors, but okay. but I am going to be entering uh, professional recovery coach training, oh. and where you start talking about employers that are supportive in the workplace, they have a new program. This one, this one uh, organization does, that's uh, meant to uh, bring more awareness at the organizational level through human resources departments. So I know you and I could talk ideas all day, but so I need to talk to you about that later too. (laughs) So um, we've got some time left, you know, I try to keep these at maybe 45 minutes to an hour. So maybe we have about five or 10 minutes left. Um, Ariel, I do want to let folks know that who are listening and like interested that well, okay, you guys are in this program. How do I get involved if I'm interested in this? This might be a good fit for me or somebody that I know. Um, so tell us a little bit about where CFSI is headed next and how folks can get involved.
1: Um, so right now we're working on an online applica- application, but do you have like show notes? You could probably put my yeah. contact information in. Okay. Yes. Um, and I, I don't mind my email being out there. And so if you guys, okay. anyone out there that wants to apply, Um, the kind of requirements or qualifications are you have to have your high school diploma or GED. We do ask that you're not taking methadone, which is kind of like a opioid replacement um, thing. And then um, we just want some people with growth mindsets. So, um, but then some logistical stuff is we meet Monday through Thursday. Basically you're you're in the program from 8.30 to 12. And then you do some internships in the afternoon from one to four. Um, We do have different levels of engagement, so you can be there during all those hours, or if you're on a lower engagement tier, basically, and there's, I won't get into the details of that, but, you you know, if you only wanted to go to school and have the support of our program, you could also do that. So don't be deterred by the hours. Um, We're taking currently taking people for the next cohort starting in August, ending in May. We give everyone laptops that are theirs to keep school supplies. They eat lunch in the cafeteria every day. We pay them an hourly stipend to be in the program because typically they're you know not working or they're losing some morning hours um, to be in the program. So we do compensate them, um, and then and that's basically it. And so that's from the applicant side, the participant side, um, and then we do we need a lot of employer partners because part of a huge element of this program is internships, and not necessarily internships that. Are like going to hire someone but internships that are going to help bring them to the next level of their careers and so for me, when I got a job at that oil and gas uh, company, it changed my life, you know I quit smoking I started working out I learned how to do all the administrative things that are necessary to be a professional well, at least when you start and then the higher up you get, you don't know how to do any of it, which I learned when I was like doing binding projects, I was getting so mad about because I couldn't figure, I couldn't do it. And then I learned no one else can either. It's the admin people that learn how to do it. But anyways, um, so businesses that have really good cultures or environments or just some kind of maybe something they could give to someone because a lot of this is mentorship, you know, um, and then also giving their resume some credibility. So say they, you know, have a felony, but then they worked at this really prestigious company for six months or, or a year, that really gives people credibility, and it gives them a chance to, um, I don't know, to, to fit, you know, to go out there and look for jobs and be, um, be considered, and so we're looking for employer partners for internships or even just jobs, um, people that have open positions that maybe would require a degree. So maybe some like accounting positions or HR positions or IT positions um, that are more entry level, but would, um, could be maybe the light at the end of the tunnel for our students who are pursuing those degree paths. That would be very helpful. And then we're also looking for like speakers and presenters. So whether that be motivational, um, whether it be something that they're training or scaling up our students. So any kind of leadership or communication or emotional intelligence, all of these things that equip us to be, you know, great employees and just people in general. We're just looking for people that will pour into the students in any way possible. And so those are, those are the main ways that you can get involved.
0: Okay. That's great. Yeah. So anyone who's listening and just heard that, just hop over to the show notes, click on those and you'll see all the contact information for Ariel and some other links that I'll drop in there about the program and, and some other cool stuff um definitely excited about this initiative and i know there's you know we don't have to go there but uh too far but i know that there's some other communities or organizations that are interested in this program and maybe starting to emulate it or uh, maybe in the future at some point so those uh, visionaries out there that are like how do we how do we bring this program to our community or our state or maybe that we have some listeners out of the country um i, I would say you know hit ariel up and uh there's the, this is a really interesting, innovative program. Again, the Center for Social Innovation and the best is yet to come. I really feel that that's true.
1: And I'll say, too, that even if it's if, even if you're not in a college, even if you're not in higher ed, sometimes people are in industries or places that a diversion program. Yeah, you know, I'm putting that in quotations like that's not necessarily what it is, but a program that helps this demographic is has never um, been integrated into it. And so there's just so many industries and areas and organizations that this could happen in and so it's all about just being creative and being innovative and 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 trying and having the heart for it and so if anyone you know wants to have a conversation of how would i merge the worlds where i'm helping people changing lives changing these kids lives and the generations after them and all of that um i think i would love to have that conversation so absolutely
0: great yeah it's it's really there's an opportunity as the program grows and expands for legacy so those that want to leave a legacy and be part of something bigger uh, also those too the, the ones that like big ideas like me um so in our closing minute or two michelle and milo um i would just ask do you have any closing words maybe some inspiring words of of hope or for, for listeners out there who, who are, you know, in the middle of something difficult and trying to figure out a way ahead?
3: Yeah. Um, you know, your past doesn't define you basically, um, for me, what you've done in the past, um, you can change it. It just, you just have to, to want it. And, you know, it does, it does take help from other people. You do have to surround yourself with people that are positive people that are, you know, have the same mindset as you, because if not, you will just continue to do the old things. And just you just know that whenever, you know, you realize you need to change something, you don't get held back by your past because you can. every day is a new day.
1: Mm.
0: I love that. I love Hope
3: that. that
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was hard to follow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just be uh, you. Yeah. I mean, I really just have to say you need to be open to the help that people are offering you. Mm-hmm. Um, just be open and willing to hear what they have to say and follow their lead, you know, until you are able to take the reins and follow your own lead. So, mm-hmm. Love yourself for you.
0: Ooh, that's good. That, that last p- little piece that you snuck in there. I like that. Love yourself for you. Uh, so thank you each. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Milo. Thank you, Ariel, for being my guest on the show today. It's been awesome.
1: It has been awesome I just every time that we interact with you it's so I don't know purposeful and full of life and full of excitement and hope and acceptance and love and all those things (laughs) and these goofy people right now you guys can't see this but these goofy people are like making silly faces and taking pictures and doing all kinds of stuff right now (laughs) Um, but yes I just I love interacting with you and all these places that you interact with. And I feel like you're such a connector and have been so helpful to, to this program and just our initiative. And even just seeing the change um, after you came in and started getting involved and all that really changed our culture. And so I really appreciate you.
0: That's awesome. I appreciate that. Okay, thank you all again.
2: Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye.
0: Bye. You've been listening to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember, you were meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today.